Stay tuned after the show for a message from Chevron. This is Politico Energy. I'm Annie Snyder. Hurricane Ida left hundreds of thousands of homes and businesses without power, some for more than a week now. The damage and frustration across the state has put a spotlight on Louisiana's biggest utility company, Entergy. It's the latest example of extreme weather events causing widespread power grid failures. Remember Texas in February? Millions were plunged into freezing cold and darkness as a major winter storm overwhelmed the state's underprepared power grid. Now, you may be wondering, how can we prevent these kinds of power grid failures in the future? These storms are becoming more frequent, they're becoming less predictable, and so avoiding these kind of catastrophic events and these impacts onto the grid and onto our electric system, it's really difficult to think about how to invest in order to do that. Today, the newest member of our Politico Energy team, Catherine Morehouse, breaks down why Hurricane Ida crippled Louisiana's power grid and the questions grid operators face moving forward. It's Wednesday, September 8th. So Catherine, Hurricane Ida left hundreds of thousands of people in southeast Louisiana without power during this really intense summer heat right now. The storm made landfall a little over a week ago. What's the state of play on the ground at this point? The interesting thing with Ida was it really destroyed kind of the the transmission towers, which are really the entry points for power generation to, to go to people's homes and houses and to hospitals. So it really presented a really unique situation for the local utility energy and will, you know, according to local regulators, lead to a lot of investigations in the future. And I think it's a tough situation. There, there are a lot of folks still without electricity, uh, and and projections are that they could be without electricity for for weeks. My goodness, that sounds terrible. So clearly, this is not the first time that this region of the country has been hit by a hurricane. I mean, it seems like every year, just about, you've got hurricanes or tropical storms coming. I think one of the sources in your story said, you know, we know they're coming every year. It's just a question of how powerful they'll be. So Entergy, Louisiana's largest utility company, surely knew (laughs) that that storms were coming. What have they done to prepare for this sort of event? And why did things go so terribly this time around? Right. And they they had spent billions of dollars on hardening the grid through through various uh, ways there. They had certainly spent money on the transmission system. Uh, they they had spent money on on other aspects of, of just grid hardening. And I think that's a, a big question for regulators will be, did they spend enough money and did, did they spend enough money in the right places? And more importantly, you know, going forward, will will we spend money in a way that that prevents us from spending more money in the future? Um, so it's kind of a it, it's an interesting dilemma. And I think it's it's something that a lot of utilities, especially in more vulnerable regions, are having to grapple with right now is is how do you know that, you know, the investments that you're making are enough or are, are prudent are in the right place? So that all sounds really expensive. Is it going to be on consumers to foot the bill for grid hardening and that sort of planning? Or are there other options here? Well, currently, you know, Congress is is considering this big infrastructure package that would invest in in broad grid hardening measures, including strengthening transmission lines and, and strengthening overall resilience. Um, how, how that plays out on kind of a local level 
uh, would remain to be seen. So I, I think that's one of the reasons, too, why why we see kind of a bipartisan push to make some of these upgrades and make some of these investments ahead of time so that uh, consumers aren't ultimately left paying twice. Yeah, well, so you mentioned the bipartisan infrastructure bill. We talked yesterday with Zach Coleman about the the push for sort of coastal resiliency as part of that measure and, you know, post-Hurricane Ida. Tell us a little bit more details about the about what's in that measure for grid resilience, grid hardening, and, and how far of a ways along that would get us, how how far towards the ultimate goal those those measures would get us. In part, what the bill would do is it would make it easier to build out more transmission lines, uh, which would create, you know, redundancy in the system. So one transmission goes down, we have another transmission line up. Um, But in in an ideal world, you know, redundancy would help. Earlier versions of this bill certainly invested more in, in those kind of transmission and grid hardening areas. So so I think that uh, advocates of, of transmission and resilience would say that this 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 version of the bill won't won't quite get us to where we need to be. Well this is fascinating stuff. Are there other things you'd want us to know about this issue? I think the big takeaway is these storms are becoming more frequent, they're becoming less predictable. And so avoiding these kind of catastrophic events and these impacts onto the grid and onto our electric system, it's really difficult to think about how to invest in order to do that. Um, But it's going to become more and more critical because we're right now we're seeing people without power in Louisiana during a really hot part of the year and that that can be really dangerous. Catherine Morehouse, thanks so much for chatting with us and what a great debut on the pod. Yeah, thank you so much. Great to great to be on the team and and hopefully it's a maybe a less eventful uh, next couple weeks. <laughs> Careful, don't tempt fate. <laughs> also, ExxonMobil Corporation says it will use a third-party system to certify that the natural gas it sells from operations in New Mexico meet methane emissions targets. Exxon, which made the announcement Tuesday, has come under fire in recent years for its greenhouse gas emissions. The company's first target will be facilities in New Mexico, but it could eventually expand to facilities in Appalachia and an area around the border of Texas and Louisiana. With the move, Exxon would become the latest company to audit the relative cleanliness of its natural gas. For context, governments in the U.S. and Europe are threatening to move away from natural gas because of concerns over the fuel's role in worsening climate change. For more news on energy and the environment, subscribe to our newsletter at politico.com backslash morning energy. If you like our show, then like it. Leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. It helps more people find the show. Also, here's a sneak peek of our newest Politico podcast, Global Insider, which launches on September 15th. Senior EU correspondent Ryan Heath takes you up close and personal with the world's most powerful people. For Politico, I'm Annie Snyder. Talk to you tomorrow. Yep, we're rolling. I'm Ryan Heath, and for seven years, I've been writing a newsletter about global affairs, covering the CEOs who shape the economy, the lawmakers who set the rules, and the innovators who bend them. In that time, I've gotten to know a lot of them and their world pretty well. What do you think the longest pause is someone's ever taken when you've asked them, like, a really hard question? Oh, that's easy. Um, It was Emmanuel Macron, and I asked him when was the last time he'd built a piece of IKEA furniture, and the dude could not answer the question. I think Tony Blair 
certainly flirts with his eyes. Is there an airport tip you have? There is an amazing bakery at Copenhagen Airport called Hakasuset. <laughs> I can never say it right. <laughs> now I'm doing a different kind of interview with the same sources I've kept tabs on for years, more personal conversations that usually happen behind closed doors in Davos and the UN. Is it just something that you have to accept is out of your control now? Of course I'm worried. We're doing this in a pandemic. We all have to be worried. Every week, there'll be activists, regulators, business leaders, like NATO's Jens Stoltenberg and Linda Thomas-Greenfield, the US ambassador to the UN. African leaders need to spend more time with their young people, and they need to empower them to lead in the future. The balance of power is always shifting. Global Insider is how you keep up. We launch September 15th in this feed. See you there. Laukehusa. 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 <laughs> we're, we're humans, not robots, so I can't make it sound like the robot. Support for this program is provided by Chevron. Chevron's El Segundo refinery is looking to turn plant-based oil into renewable gasoline, jet, and diesel fuels because it's only human to want to power a better future. Learn more at chevron.com slash lower carbon.